Hello and welcome back to the podcast. The Sermon on the Mount represents one of Jesus' most powerful and probably influential blocks of teaching that still challenges the reader just as much today as it would have 2,000 years ago. So we're going to take the next several weeks to methodically unpack Jesus' teachings in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and we'd like to invite you to join us on that journey. If you have any more questions about the Traders Point Church of Christ, please visit our website at traderspointchurch.org, and you can also find us on Facebook and YouTube as well. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope you enjoy the conversation. Well, hello, and thank you once again for studying along with us as we continue our study through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. As usual, I've got uh, John here with me, Uh, but we do have visiting with us uh, one of the evangelists from the church in San Francisco, Calvin Johns, is here with us. He's going to join us in our study here in Matthew chapter 7. We are getting down towards the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. We have finished all the way through chapter 6. We're going to begin chapter 7, which is the final chapter in Matthew's gospel uh, about this sermon. We're going to do verses 1 through 14 here in just a moment. Before we do that, uh, John, why don't you help us out a little bit with context uh, to get us ready as we uh, are beginning this final chapter. Yeah, I think you know you made mention last week about Uh, As you get towards the end of chapter 6, Jesus does begin to conclude things. He begins to kind of wrap things up a little bit. Now, there's still some very specific teaching that he's engaged in, but you do kind of get the sense that he's starting to wrap things up, and that's going to really begin to become obvious as we get into chapter 7. But we've talked about over the course of the last several weeks as we've studied through the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus' point, his intent with all of this— is to ask everyone to take inventory of their heart. Where is your heart? That's what God is concerned about. That's what he's always wanted is our hearts. And in the example that he has used is the Pharisees, as they're constantly concerned about how they look on the outside, uh, the prayers that they pray on the street corner, who's looking at them, who's giving them their attention, what type of influence and power can they, can they have. That's where they have been focused, and Jesus is trying to, to encourage everyone, them included, to turn their focus away from that very materialistic and physical mindset and look more inward at the heart. And so he, we talked last week about the importance of our heart and about faith. That's what Jesus is harping on as he goes throughout the Sermon on the Mount. And it's really going to continue again as you know we get into chapter 7. Again, he's going to start wrapping some things up, but those same principles are still going to be at play. It's just so important that we keep that in mind. It's, it's difficult. We seem to talk about this quite frequently. It's difficult going week to week studying through this, whereas if we were sitting and listening to Jesus 2,000 years ago, you know, I, maybe this took an hour. I, I don't know. It's, it's not a very long sermon, but yet you could have sat there and just taken it all in at one time as Jesus was speaking. And, and sometimes I think that's even the better way of doing it is just just let it wash over you and just try and take it all in. But as we go week to week, it's just important to remember the context in which this is all taking place in. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And, and I think that certainly here in this chapter, you, you start to see him kind of pulling things together because he's really now putting demands on them to, yeah. to be thinking about certain things and to be making pretty specific decisions. And so I'm excited about our study today. We're going to be in chapter 7, verses 1 through 14. Uh, Calvin's going to read that for us, and then we'll spend a couple of minutes uh, kind of discussing what we see. 
All right, Matthew 7, 1 through 14. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. All right, I appreciate that, Calvin. I mean, we have talked a lot a lot when we've gone through this sermon about the heart. It is in every way one of Jesus's biggest pieces of application. He is from the very beginning all the way to the very end, trying to get them to understand that it is about the heart, and it is about yourself individually. You need to be concerned about yourself. Don't concern yourself with other people, what other people are doing, Certainly don't concern yourself with what other people are thinking. Uh, and so you need to be concerned with yourself. And so I think you have at the beginning of chapter 7, you know, Jesus painting what is an incredibly visual mm-hmm. uh, analogy here. I mean, it, it is one of the uh, absurd visuals, but yet it is impossible for you not to be able to mm-hmm. paint it, you know, in your mind. But, you know, in the midst of it, you know, not to be blinded, uh, you see, yeah, I didn't that's mean a to good do play that. on yeah, words right, right there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, not to be blinded, you know, through, by you know by the absurdity of it. You know, the point that he's making is you need to be thinking about your own heart. You need to be concerned with yourself, and and if you can begin to think like that, you're then going to be in a position to serve other people. Mm-hmm. But if you're only concerned about other people, what other people are doing, what other people are thinking, what other people are saying. You're going to miss what you need. And that's what this whole sermon has been about. This is what you need to be thinking. Yeah, and that's, you know, he's he's used some very strong language to talk about the hypocritical nature of the Pharisees. Yeah. And that's exactly what's being described here at the beginning of chapter 7, is if you're so intent on pointing out the error of someone else or nitpicking what they're doing, the decisions that they're making— and you're doing so to the neglect of the poor decisions that you're making, Mm. that's hypocritical. That's exactly what Jesus is preaching against. You've got to be inward focused. Now, that doesn't mean that the speck in your brother's eye doesn't need to be addressed. Mm -hmm. He's not saying that at all. Mm -hmm. What he's saying is you take care of yourself first. You have to worry about you and your heart and your relationship with God. Because if your relationship with God isn't what it needs to be, you're not going to be able to serve your brother or your sister in the way that they need you. You're not going to be the type of person who's able to help them in all the ways that they may need help. You have to focus inward first. 
And that's, I mean, I think it's, it's easy for us to say that. It's difficult for us to put that into action, I think, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Because it's very easy for us to be judgmental or even maybe not even judgmental, maybe intending to be helpful, mm-hmm. but doing so, again, to the neglect of our own shortcomings mm-hmm. when it comes to our relationship with God. And if that's the way that we're going through life, then what we're going to find is we're never going to be the servant in this world that God needs us to be. We're always going to be falling short in that regard. Yeah, I can't help but to think about the Pharisees like in the audience here, and especially if he's made reference certainly to the scribes and Pharisees all along, but this was their life. I mean, this oh, was their yeah. world. I mean, this is you know how they operate. And now, were they able you know to be able to see that in them in themselves? I don't know, but. It, but this is this is exactly the way that they went about things right here, and I do find it interesting, you know, that Jesus is kind of you know kind of calls it out. I mean, right here, and and dumps hypocrite. I mean, it, it is. Mm-hmm. We've made mention of this. He saves his harshest of words for the hypocrite. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. the harshest of words are used by Jesus to talk about the hypocrite, and he's making mention of that kind of life right here. And there was several people in this audience that lived just like that. Yeah, I, I find that interesting, too, the word hypocrite. Um, you all probably heard that, you know, it's this idea of acting or play acting mm-hmm. is kind of the etymology of that. Um, and it, it seems interesting to me that everyone kind of understood here listening to this that righteousness does help others righteous help righteousness helps others to be righteous and so what are they trying to to portray well it's i'm righteous because i'm helping others and so that that mindset of only taking a speck out of someone's eyes so that people will see you as righteous, I think is where the hypocrisy lies. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. I think you're 100% right. There, there's a lot of people, and if we're not careful, we can fall into this camp where you know, we become professionals at you know, pulling out the magnifying glass to find that speck in our brother's eye. Mm-hmm. And that's our job. I mean, we're just intent on, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to examine everybody's eyes and I'm going to find every speck there is to find. Mm-hmm. But I think you made a, an outstanding point that if I focused on my own righteousness, mm-hmm. that's what's going to be the most helpful to my yeah. brothers and sisters. Yeah. And that, that is, that's not in any way being selfish or self-centered. That's doing exactly what God is calling us to do, that I need right. to be focused on my righteousness and my relationship with God. And if I do that, that's when I'm going to be best equipped and best able to help someone else who may be struggling with something. That's that's where God needs me focused. And that's, right. uh, he makes that, uh, that's the point he's really making in verse 5, right? I mean, he's, again, you, you've already made mention of this. It's not about not helping out a brother or not, you know, that speck that he has in his eye. I mean, the key is there in verse 5 that you're taking care of yourself so that now you can see clearly, he says. You can clearly see that speck, you know, from your brother's eye. And that ultimately becomes the key that now I am best equipped because I've been thinking about my heart. I'm focusing on myself. I'm trusting. I'm fully trusting. I mean, that was the end of chapter 6, right? Mm -hmm. I've given myself uh, by faith over to trusting fully in God that he can handle me, right? Mm -hmm. I don't have to think about these things because God's in control of things. And, And so now, again, this is a trust thing in every way that I can trust God that this is the best way to go about it, to take care of my heart, 
in my heart to do that first. Yeah, I, I'm not excited about someone who can't see clearly coming at my eye <laughs> right, to right. take a speck out. I mean, that's a, a dangerous thing. And I think, you know, I have to be humbled by the fact of understanding that I could actually be destructive mm-hmm. towards someone, right? If I'm coming at a speck that I can't see clearly because of my own uh, log, um, that, that just we, we got to be careful and, and, and know how the Lord loves his people and how um, he's going to hold us accountable. Mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting that it's, you know, these first six verses that kind of lead us into verse seven, where Jesus then talks about, you know, asking something of the Father and, and being given what we're asking. It's almost as if mm-hmm. he's, he's, again, starting to draw this to a close, starting to draw this to a point for us. And one of the things he wants us to take away from this is that, listen, if you want our loving and generous and all-powerful Father to be providing for you, to be helping you, to be answering your prayers, your heart, your faith, your righteousness, those things have to be on point. Those things have to be where they're supposed to be in order to have the relationship with God that allows us to seek things from him and ask of him what we need in this life. When when it is, when all of those things are on point, God is the most generous entity that you could possibly imagine, and he is more than able and more than willing to provide for us beyond our wildest dreams. But but Jesus is almost making the point, it, you know, if, if you've got that log in your eye, don't go asking God for stuff. Don't go asking him to, like... You've got you've got to take care of your heart and your your righteousness and your faith and make sure that you are in a position to have a relationship with God that that, that welcomes these types of requests, this type of open conversation. Those things have to be where they're supposed to be in order for this relationship that we can have with God to really be all that it can be. Yeah, I think it's interesting, especially that passage that you're kind of seven through eleven. You know, and I think sometimes we read a passage like that and we're we're so quickly thinking about, well, this is prayer, right? This is what prayer is. And certainly I think there is a point in there somewhere for sure. But, you know, you read this passage, and Jesus is making a point about God here. Mm-hmm. It, it, that is really the punch of 7 through 11. It, it, certainly from our end of asking, but the key component is God. And you just hit it. I mean, it, it is that God is here to help. He is here to guide. He is here to be there for us. We've made mention, I think you made mention of it even last week, that you know the, what Jesus is calling on these folks here and, and us and the way that we are to operate in this world it is difficult and it is hard and it's countercultural in a lot of ways. And, and we can come away with that thinking that, listen, I'm, I'm, just not, I'm not equipped for that or I'm not able to do that or I don't have the strength to do that. And we begin to think in those kinds of ways. It's like Jesus is reminding us that it, let's, let's not forget that God is right here, and he's He's there for you, and he's there with you, and he's going to help you. Again, doesn't that make sense? Mm-hmm. I mean, a, a, a father in the world cares for his children. What Would not God, the father of you know us in heaven, with all the power that he has, not do the same? And so you have this reminder in a lot of ways that, hey, this is going to happen, 
But ultimately, there's not many people that's going to ask him for help. Mm-hmm. And, and that really leads us into, you know, those last two verses, at least in this section that are pretty well known, you know, the point is making that, man, what an incredible blessing to have God right here, ready, mm-hmm. ready, yeah. but then how foolish, how foolish it is that there's just so many people that are just going to kind of mosey on to destruction, yeah. just mosey on through to destruction when God is standing right there ready to help. Yeah, and I'm, I think about James and, and the counterpoint to this that he gives where I think it's in chapter 4. He says that you don't receive because you don't ask, mm-hmm. and you don't receive because you don't because you ask wrongly, right, to spend it on your passions. And, you know, the, the great gift, I think, in this this. Uh, teaching is that God will remove the log if we ask him to. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we're asking God to, to make us more righteous so that we can glorify ourselves, right, then we're just going to end up with that same log. It kind of is the mm-hmm. log uh, a lot of times. Um, so that's, I, I guess that's a good counter, counter, or counterbalance, yeah, I'll just use that, that's what's in my head, uh, to, you know, what Jesus is saying here, that we can ask wrongly. Mm-hmm. And what you think, you know, when you get into verse 13, you know, and he starts talking about, you know, enter by the narrow gate, and wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, you know, that, that verse is oftentimes seen as kind of this scary warning that so much of the world is going to, going to fall, uh, and it is it is a scary warning, but when you put it in context of everything that Jesus has been saying over the course of the Sermon on the Mount, you get to verse 13, and as you were reading that just a few minutes ago, in my head I was thinking, well, of course it is. Just listen to what Jesus has been saying. Mm-hmm. He's been saying the entire time that culture and society has this all wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, if culture and society has this all wrong, then it only makes sense that broad is the way that leads to destruction and narrow is the way that leads to life and fewer are those who are going to find it. That only makes sense. If culture has it all wrong, then that's the way it's going to be because we are going to have to be countercultural. We are going to have to be different. We are going to be in the minority if we are going to live a life like what Jesus is describing here on the Sermon on the Mount. And so it's almost as if verse 13 and 14, they are, they are intimidating warnings for sure. But it's almost a natural conclusion to what Jesus has been teaching. Mm-hmm. If what Jesus has said in chapters 5, 6, and 7 are true, then verse 13 and 14 is the only reality that there is. There can't be any other way if what he has said is true, because we're going to have to be very different if we are going to follow his teachings here. Yeah, I mean, and so that's why he closes with this. It's ultimately, now you got you got to make a choice, right? Mm-hmm. you got to make a choice. This way, the way that everybody's walking is a very easy way to walk. It, it runs very smoothly. Nobody takes notice of you. You're not bothering anybody. But ultimately, that's the way that leads to destruction. And you can go that way. You can walk that way. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of people that are. But yet you have this other side, right? You have this mm-hmm. other side that's narrow. He says difficult is the way because you're going against the grain. People are noticing you. They're looking at you. But ultimately, that way leads to life. And so you're, you're, you're making the choice. Are you making the choice life or destruction? Well, that, that's the choice. Mm-hmm. If I'm making the choice life, there is one way that leads there. It is this narrow path. There, there's, it is the only way. And, and so ultimately, you know, it comes down to, you know, it comes down to making that choice. 
Well, we're going to go ahead and put the brakes on right here, and uh, we appreciate everybody for studying along with us here in Matthew chapter 7. Uh, we are uh, nearing the end of our study on the Sermon on the Mount. Definitely, we are nearing the conclusion in a lot of ways. Uh, Jesus is going to, uh, here in the next episode, really hit us with some uh, parables in a lot of ways to kind of paint the picture, I think, still along the same level of a choice that ultimately we have to make one way or the other. So we appreciate you studying along with us. Appreciate Calvin for being uh, with us again this week, as he was last week. And uh, we appreciate all of you for studying along with us. We look forward to studying along with you again next week.